0: This is the 343 podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. The whole process of running for president of US Soccer is draped with questions, suspicions, and controversy. And there are no clear answers to even the simplest of questions. Like, for instance, who votes? There's no clear answer to that. Or how about this one? How does someone get nominated? It's not black and white. It's not straightforward. And just those two basic questions, sorry, those two basic questions have, or should have, actually, I should say, those two questions should have incredibly simple answers but they don't and there's a bunch of other questions that people are asking that should have incredibly simple answers and they don't paul the point and i spent an hour discussing some of those questions and some of the key issues that we're facing here in american soccer and he talked about what he's learned during this whole campaign process and he reassured me that he has no need to follow the rule book or toe the line because He has absolutely nothing to lose. He doesn't owe anything to these people that are in power at U.S. soccer. And that was super encouraging to hear. The idea of transparency, or lack thereof, uh, came up more than once. And for a good reason. Paul and other candidates have been given the runaround by USSF in more ways than one. And take the nomination process for example. Paul submitted his official paperwork to become a candidate, and then was left waiting for approval, unable to go out and secure official nominations, while others had already hit the campaign trail. It's a little bit of a little bit of a handicap there, I would say. And you could also look at some of the rule changes that were made halfway through the game. So it's like these guys are started. Uh, they play the first half. They go in the locker room. They come back out, and all of a sudden, the rules are completely different. And that kind of seems like standard practice in American soccer. It's kind of like in American soccer, I say that, but I'm I'm really referring to like major league soccer and some of the other, uh, maybe some of the other leagues that have tried to like Americanize uh, the rules for their own benefits. So it's like they create rules or change them so that they benefit or block certain people from achieving positions of power. And that's exactly what has happened during this whole nomination process. Paul and I talked about that and how it's affected his campaign and the potential to be an official candidate on the final ballot. And even with the deck stacked against him, stacked against him is kind of like an understatement, but you're gonna hear Paul crack jokes and you can almost hear his smile coming through the speakers. And that just lets you know that his heart is in the right place. He's very kind of like a, like a jolly jovial guy. And and you could, you could totally hear that coming through the speakers. And it's a blessing to have somebody like Paul, someone who is an outsider and whose livelihood doesn't depend on sucking up to those that are currently in charge of American soccer. And he's able to come on a podcast like this and just speak his mind, just free flow and whatever, whatever comes out, comes out. I did not have to worry about editing or anything with was It was amazing. And. One thing I have to say is that I, I don't agree with all of his ideas, but he also doesn't agree with all of mine. And that's honestly, that's the, the beauty of this entire thing, that guys like Paul and Eric Winalda and some others are willing to welcome other people's opinions into the conversation because some people like these guys, like Paul and Eric and others, they understand that transparency and diversity are necessary ingredients if we really want anything to change in this country. Meanwhile, you have other candidates, one who just announced herself actually, uh, that have a long and proven track record of denying people a seat at the table and silencing the voices that are now, in large part, responsible for having somebody like Sunil step aside. So that was a huge victory for people that have been outspoken. And for a long time, those people's opinions have not been welcomed at the table while some of the candidates have been sitting there. And now they're trying to campaign on this idea of change. It's kind of bogus to me. Uh, So while Paul and I definitely have different ideas, we also find common ground on some of the most fundamental aspects of soccer and sports and just humanity in general. We both support inclusion over exclusion. And yes, that includes the idea of promotion and relegation here in the United States. And we both agreed that transparency is necessary for progress. And... We both want to see our country succeed in our local communities and on the global stage from top to bottom, men's and women's, girls and boys. All right. I don't want to hold you guys back any longer from this conversation. So just let me give my uh, my 20-second blurb on, on 343coaching.com. So this podcast and all of our podcasts are brought to you by 343coaching.com. It is our online education platform. We have a free program and we have our premium program. The free program is pretty cool, so all you have to do is just give us your email and we'll do the rest. We send home a seven-week step-by-step free course, which is pretty cool. If you haven't taken that, even if you are a premium member, just go ahead and sign up for that free course and it's a good kind of like refresher. And if you're new to us, it's a great introduction to 343 and who we are, what we stand for, what we're all about on the field, and off the field as well. Um, and then, of course, you can always go to 343coaching.com and find uh, over 200 written articles, videos, ebooks and all kinds of other stuff in episodes of this podcast as well. Um, all right, with that, let's, uh, let's get into today's episode with USSF presidential candidate Paul LaPointe. another episode of the 343 podcast i am on the phone with paul the point paul welcome to the show man
1: hey welcome john Uh, one's a soldier two's an army
0: (laughs) here we go dude it's uh it's game time um so for for people i find it very actually i find it very hard to believe that people that listen to this podcast do not know who you are at Mm -hmm. least uh they're they're at least familiar with your name but Mm -hmm. um I'm sure that there's quite a few people in the same boat that I am where I really don't know much about you as a person or as a soccer person specifically. So that was the whole reason for getting you on this show is to kind of learn more about your soccer background, your positions now that you are campaigning for the position of U.S. soccer president and mm-hmm. to, to kind of just get a, a feel for you know what's on your mind right now because you do have some pretty important positions within, uh, the lower divisions of, of U S soccer. And you've held those positions for quite a while. So Mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully we're able to kind of discuss and discover what Paul LaPointe is all about today.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's a great question. I started halfway through this campaign. Um, I kind of changed the tagline of who's this LaPointe guy. Um, but I've been in soccer for 47 years. Um, and as a player, like we discussed uh, a, a little bit earlier, uh, a coach, a team owner, a professional league owner, a professional player, uh, a college coach, a professional coach, a youth premier club owner. I've come from all sectors of American soccer. Um, I've owned my own company since I've been 26 years old. Um you know, when when I owned my own professional indoor team, we played in front of thousands of people. Uh, people in New England know who we are and know who my family is. Uh, so, you know, more importantly, all the things I've done in the 47 years of soccer, I want to let people know that I've been married to the same woman uh, for uh, for 37 years. I have two boys, uh, a granddaughter, and and a grandson on the way. Uh, and both my boys uh, were brought up into the system. Uh, one aspired professionally as well, and um, you know. The Lapointes are a soccer family. Uh, So if elected through, uh, the Federation gets a family. They just don't get me.
0: That's awesome to hear, man. Um, So growing up, or or actually let's let's figure out where you grew up because you mentioned that you're you're kind mm-hmm. of in the in the northeast area and mm-hmm. when, when we were talking off there a second ago you you made a comment that you're from the second biggest state of Massachusetts uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you obviously have a sense of humor you seem like a family guy just right off the bat um, but where where did you grow up and, and what were your first experiences with the game of soccer
1: so this was this this is where I grew up. I grew up in uh, Barrington, Rhode Island. Um, I was seven years old, and I got my first experience. Uh, my dad was going to Barrington College uh, back in the day, and I was asked to be the ball boy for the Barrington College Warriors, uh, which had wars with uh, with Williams College and, and 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 all these teams back in the Northeast. Uh, and my and I was on the sidelines at seven years old, running up and down, saying, "Oh my God, look at this!" So I fell in love with the sport. And then started playing it, and I couldn't wait to get out of school, find a backboard to kick against, and the rest is history. Played in high school uh, as a player, I won a championship uh, in high school out of uh, out of the Berkshires, because uh, my folks moved to Massachusetts uh, in in the early '70s, and um, you know, went on from there. And after high school, when there wasn't a lot of opportunity for uh, professional soccer. I got, uh, you know, called to the Cosmos training camp, the Tampa Bay Rowdies training camp. The rest is history and uh, just started playing in the amateur ranks and then moved from the amateur ranks right up through. So, uh, played professional indoor uh, uh, and it just kept on going. So, as a player, uh, the experience is there, but also during this whole process, I became, uh, uh, once I became a off the grid as a player became a team owner became a coach and then became a league owner so um you know come i come from all facets of it and um uh, so so that's where it all started
0: tell me about your experience as actually let's 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 start with the coaching actually i was going to jump straight into the team owning but i think it's important to go into the coaching first i'm assuming that that coaching preceded the owning
1: well, yeah well, the definitely and 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 I'll say this and I'll be candid uh, candid with you. I was painting the lines for a free soccer clinic before some of these candidates that are in the grid that were born um, so yeah, it all started out uh, just in rec center soccer in a little town of Southwick, mass, uh, you know, preparing a field for the uh, red hot chili peppers to go against the empire. <laughs> um you know with with a u5 grid um so yeah it 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 all starts from there and and that's my uh, that's my big push about everything we talk about in this country about the the development system of the kids uh because without that we're nothing but yeah the coaching the coaching came uh and then obviously the team ownership came uh and so on and so forth and uh i'm most proud of that i mean uh, you know those days are the best uh, when you can look a five-year-old in the eye and, and uh, put your stamp on the development of uh, how they're going to approach the ball and, and, and fall in love with the game for the rest of their lives.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I, I usually spend a lot of time getting to know like the background of, mm-hmm. of the guests, and mm-hmm. I can tell right away that you're eager to kind of get into <laughs> the the main reason why we're on the phone call is is to discuss uh the problems and and possibly the solutions for u.s soccer right. so may, maybe we can uh let's just let's just skip ahead man let's just get into it well
1: i you know i appreciate it but but again i'll i'll, I'll give you the credit where credit is due and the question is you know like i've coached odp In the state organization of Massachusetts, I've coached all the way through and played all the way through. So um, the resume is there from a playing and coaching standpoint. And I've won championships uh, both nationally as a professional. I've won region and state championships as a college coach. And I've won championships as a high school player. So, you know, what other, you know, I'd like to raise the trophy for, for the federation, for the American soccer community. Okay, so let's move on.
0: No, it, and it's not necessarily questioning your resume. I, yep. I I'm I'm more so interested in what experiences you've had along the way that have kind of formed your opinions or your positions that you hold today.
1: Mm-hmm. So ha- well, has my- there been
0: has there been any moment like throughout your playing or coaching career where you look back now and you're like, holy shit, like this happened to me thirty years ago, and it's affecting mm-hmm. U.S. soccer today? Does well, that make I'll sense? Give you a
1: per- that makes total sense. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. As a team owner soliciting the major indoor soccer league for a franchise, and they won't talk to you unless you write the check for a million dollars. And then when you ask them, what are you going to get for the uh, return on investment of that money? They look you in the eye and say, it only gives you the right to play. So that was one stage in my life as a team owner. Another is um, as a player, I know what it's like to be cut from a bench for all the wrong reasons, uh, and try to get a professional gig. So all these experience come, you know, create a passion to help change it when you have the uh, capacity to do it. So here we are today.
0: When you were having that discussion about what the million dollars gets you, mm-hmm. do you have any idea where that million dollars went? Well,
1: this is, uh, you know, follow the money trail. You get your answer, uh, uh, absolutely not. Who knows where it goes? Does it go into development, back into development of the sport? Do the team owners share in any kind of revenue from sponsorship it gains because of the participation levels? Is there a television contract? Uh, Is there solidarity payments for player uh, development uh, through the system? Uh, Do we have the ability to sell players within the organization? You name it, I've been exposed to it. And, um, you know, we can take those little scenarios that I have experienced as a team owner and apply it to the current state of American soccer from Major League Soccer on down. I say yes.
0: How – how how did you even get in the position where where you were able to own a team? How how did you get into a position where you were able to to put down a million dollars or think about putting down a million dollars? I don't know if you actually pulled the trigger on that or not.
1: Well, we did not pull the trigger on it because, again, as a smart businessman, you look at the return on investment, and um, it wasn't there for me. Uh, I wasn't going to write a check just for the just for the uh, bragging rights to play in the most prestigious indoor soccer league in the world um, at that time. So, uh, but you know, uh, you know, I've owned, I own other companies, so it's, it's, um, it's just a matter of a return on investment. And, um, is it worth it at the end of the day? Um, and, you know, we should, we should approach that whether we're talking about monetarily things or not, um, is it worth it at the end of the day to do some of these things? So those are the very questions I've been asking the Federation, uh, you know, for years.
0: And I think it's important to highlight too, that at one point, Indoor soccer was the mm-hmm. top level of the game, or what was the highest level of the game available for professional players in the United States? There was a gap between the the outdoor league or the the I think it was NASL that folded mm-hmm. in the in the eighties,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then indoor soccer kind of took center stage until yep. Major League Soccer uh, took over for the most part. Um, mm-hmm and I'm assuming that that was when you were looking at possibly funding or, or fielding a major indoor soccer team, right?
1: That is correct. And, and, uh, you know, along the way, I've always, I always proposed a second tier system to support the development of indoor soccer, um, at that point, but now it's flopping and flipping over to obviously as an indoor soccer guy, you flip, you know, you flop over to futsal. So I'm very passionate to the futsal ranks, uh, which is another underfunded program that we, that we have in the Federation and, and uh, you know, Hey, it's, it's, it's time to unwrap uh, the gift of soccer uh, because we're, you know, coming towards Christmas time as well, but it's (laughs) it's time, it's time to unwrap the gift of soccer and, and transparency and inclusion is key. So uh, we we move on to the next sector uh, of, of our conversation. And and, uh, you know, you you can, you can move to any sector you want to talk about and I'll answer it.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm, I'm most curious about, and this is where I spend a lot of time trying to get to know candidates when I'm, when I'm researching or just any, just any, any people in the soccer world in general is Mm -hmm. when, or, or how, um, they've, they've decided to be part of the conversation. So when, when did they join the conversation and how they decided to be part of it? And, and all let me, let me explain a little bit more about that, that statement. So, we common or it's common to see people start talking about promotion relegation and they start mm-hmm. to use that as part of their platform or you know make, making it seem that that they're part of that crowd but if you look at the history of what they've stood for or what they've said that's absent from from their history and so it's almost mm-hmm. like all, all of a sudden, some people have just magically appeared, okay. and now they're for this or for that. Or mm-hmm. there's a number of different things. I use ProRel as an example, but um, there's a number of different different issues, right?
1: Well, p- ProRel is a perfect example of what you're
0: about. You know what you're saying
1: is: listen, we use ProRel as this fancy tagline um but we haven't developed a, a pure system for pro rel in this country uh, that i've seen on anybody's uh, a desk or has come forward with one at this point from major league soccer on down but we use this tagline we've been dealing with this uh this sector for 30 years but for the past two or three years you never heard of the word pro rel in anybody's soccer rank so i'm not one just to jump on a tagline for the sake of a platform i got in this thing uh because of one reason there's a gap in the development process from the three-year-old all the way up through to any kind of an academy or to the national team level. That's where my platform stands. It's in the development process of our kids in this nation. Um, Because at the end of the day, without the kids playing, there is no federation. There's no national team. There's no fancy stadiums, curriculum, coaching education and fancy training facilities. So, that's where I'm at. So to answer your question is what makes you get into this thing is there's a gap and a fracture in our youth development system and coming from the grassroots and have passion there. That's what catapulted me to run for the position.
0: What are some of your ideas or solutions for, for those problems that exist there? And if you you could, if you could, Paul, maybe maybe identify some specific problems that you see.
1: Well, number one specific problem is poaching of players. And that that happens in the even the the amateur adult ranks So everything that I I'm going to talk about with you, you know, can can move over to the women's game. It can move over to the amateur ranks. It can certainly maneuver into the youth ranks. So poaching of players. So so here's one. The worst feeling I had as a premier club owner. Is developing a child from from U nine to U fourteen and the family that went along with it uh, for years, and then having another organization come in and sell them the flavor of the day, and that player moves on, and all you have at the end of the day is maybe bragging rights that they went to an MLS academy, or maybe even an ODP program, and you you're you're dumbfounded. So the you know there's got to be a system where other systems just can't come in and sell of development flavor that they think is the best way for that child to go and, and move that person to another system. I don't like it. It's a bad feeling, and I don't think it's proper. Number two, pay to play. Um, I'm very candid about this. As a federation, we cannot go in and tell customers that they can't pay for services rendered in a system that they already belong to. These companies have been around for years. They're S-Corps, their C-Corps, their LLCs, their DBAs. Uh, they have rights, so we cannot do that. But what we can do is incentivize them to invest in inner city programs, YMCA boys and girls clubs and things like that, that maybe they can scholarship some of these players that can't afford to be in those academies right down to a rec center, uh, league team and, and help, uh, develop a process for those kids to be involved with. So, um, so that's my take on, on that sector at this point, uh, But it's going to take a collaboration of a president that's going to look the youth associations and the amateur associations in the eye and say, we're all in the same airspace. Let's fly in the same pattern when it comes to a defined development process to support our national teams. Let's not step on each other's business plan, but let's come up with a program that we all agree upon. So once you release that adult or release that youth player you're satisfied of the job that you did and you know they're in good hands moving forward
0: man sometimes i hate interviewing because i want to ask 20 million questions after you give just a, a simple one minute answer <laughs> yes so... sometimes sometimes <laughs> i want
1: i want to sometimes i just want to say yes or no and other times i want to let it rip and uh uh but hey that's you that's that's our human spirit.
0: Absolutely. Going back to your your number one that you identified just just a minute ago, and you talked about the poaching of players and, and somebody coming in and and promising or, or talking about something uh, better or different, and and taking those players to an MLS academy or, or somewhere else. It doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, are you kind of hinting at the need for solidarity payments?
1: You know, sorry, solidarity payments is, is a, a touchy subject and it hits essential nerve system. Number one, from the, the 14 year old player on down, uh, you know, there's labor law issues that we need to deal with. So let's not use the term solidarity payments just for the sake of the legal term and what it represents. Uh, but can we have an incentive program, um, at that point, but when it comes to the 17 and 18 year old players and above, um, that's a whole different ball of wax. Um, so so yeah, I, I, I believe, and I want to uh, um, you know support a program that I'm writing as we speak, and I'll propose it if I'm elected through, that, um, that players have ins- that, that clubs and associations have incentives to develop a player and are not in fear of losing them for all the wrong reasons and monetarily get a reward for it. But we have to consult legally, um, obviously, we have to consult with labor issues uh, on the 14 years old and unders.
0: You mentioned in incentives, and that's a big part of U.S. soccer or global soccer. Actually, sorry, um, incentives are a big part of of global soccer, and mm-hmm. that's the big driver for any club or any player. And that mm-hmm. seems to be what is missing in U.S. soccer from from top to bottom or, or bottom to top. No matter how you want how you want to, mm-hmm. how, however you want to draw that picture. And you seem to want to incentivize players, coaches, and and clubs. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some other ideas you have for incentivizing U.S. soccer well, players or coaches or clubs?
1: Number one is, you know, let's take a look at this hundred plus surplus that we have. Can the Federation institute a scholarship program that has a flow chart to uh, all the clubs and state and regions associations that develop our kids in this country to, uh, to scholarship, uh, both the ones who can afford and ones who can't afford. Um, so a scholarship program can be instituted. Um, and I'm talking about high school and college soccer, which a lot of the other candidates don't even mention during their their campaign and during the forums I've been involved with, um, both live and, and, and otherwise. But I'm talking about high school, uh, NCAA, I'm talking about futsal as well. Um, we'll all fall under these categories because it's all about the development process. So to answer your question, number one is a scholarship program, I think to support, um, you, you know, uh, and, and incentivize the clubs to, to get involved, um, to keep on developing the kids under a curriculum that feeds the national teams.
0: Got it. Um, I think one question, too, that I get asked a lot, and it's from people that listen to this podcast and that and that read some of the work that, that we put out and that are just in tune with, with some of the problems that are happening in U.S. soccer, is there's all these ideas. You come on my show and, and you talk about ideas. Eric Winalda comes on the show and talks about all these ideas, mm-hmm. and all the candidates have, have put out, I mean, specifically Car- Carlos Cordero and, um, and now Kathy Carter, and put out these mm-hmm. documents where they talk about ideas for change and blah 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 blah, blah right
1: get so it. the
0: que- the question that i get from a lot of people is about the how so how right. how do you actually implement one of these ideas how do you implement uh, a possible solution have have you given that much thought of the actual like hands on how part of these uh, situations
1: Yes, and and um, as a business owner, this is where the business skills come in. You know, at the Monday on uh, Monday morning, as a CEO or a president of a company, you look at a sector within your company that needs the support to help it improve its sales goals, its its vision, and so forth. So if we have uh, we have to look at inside the federation the very vessel that can support what we're talking about. And if that vessel is a monetary uh, bubble, then we look at the monetary bubble and say, how can we use the monetary bubble to insert the program to incentivize what I'm talking about? Um, But it doesn't take just money to do it. You have to take a look at, then let's take a look at the people who have the expertise to implement it and then write the bylaws and the program and and the intricate portion of it to imply it. So so it, it takes a collaboration of of all these things that I talk about. But number one, it's gonna take it needs a president to even think about these things. And that's what we've been missing all these years, is we've had an existing president that concentrates only on the money and not on the development. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah. In a way, in a way it does. I, I think you started to talk about, you know, how, how you can actually get the, the process started, which well, is important.
1: Just, it's, it's tough to tell over a, an interview, an intricate part of what you're in the middle of writing of how it's going to be done. Of course. But in, in layman's in general terms, uh, I'm a simple kind of a guy. I'm, I'm blue collar. I, I look at things in layman's terms. Um, if I have if it takes money to do something number one i have to ask my question do i have the money to do it and if so let's go on to the next stage okay then let's surround yourself with the people who can get, help implement it and then and then everything to go along with it so i think we've got so many experts in this country under the topic of soccer that can that we can reach out to and and give the power to those people to do the right things that we're talking about number 1 but none of those things have, have ever happened at this point because we haven't had inclusion and transparency to begin with so everything that you and I talk about today is all is all betting on uh, a crystal ball theory um you know do you think we should do it or maybe we should do it or how we should do it or if we could do it or may, or or Or, ah, the heck with it. Let's just put it to the side and we'll deal with it. Oh, but by the way, there's a big check coming in from Major League Soccer. Let's move with that. We know that that's tangible.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of experience in that, it seems like.
1: There's a lot of experience in that, it seems like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So another another thing that has come up from people that listen to this show and, and again, people that are kind of in tune with – what's been happening in U.S. soccer for the last you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years mm-hmm. is that the people that you surround yourself with as as U.S. soccer president are just as or even more so uh, important than than you actually are. And Correct. one thing that Kathy Carter mentioned in her, I guess, uh, introduction to the soccer community in in a lot of ways uh this morning when she released her document and kind of like what she stands for was that she wants to empower dan flynn but she also wants change Mm -hmm. those those two things seem to kind of cancel each other out dan flynn has been around for who knows how long and he's been the one that's making the decisions not sunil in large part but but dan flynn has And, and now Kathy Carter, her part of her platform is to empower Dan Flynn. So I guess I have a couple of questions there. How, how do you see yourself coming in and and working with the existing board? Would there be anybody that you would bring with you or that you would want to put in place around you? And, and how, how would you see a transition playing out?
1: Well, great question. And I'm going to tell you this. Um, I do have people that are going to come along with us, and I'm going to go back to the old saying, you're guilty by association, and you, you need to associate with people with character, business ethics, business morals, transparency, honesty. When elected and if I'm elected, everybody that is on the payroll of the existing federation, legitimate payroll, paid to be there, is on a job interview. Uh, and it has to be, because there's so much conflict of interest, there's been so many backyard deals, uh, so many handshakes without anybody else knowing about it, that this process needs to happen. I've been very candid with it. Uh, you know, welcome to Kathy to come aboard. She's got a lot of guts to come on board, because. but I think she's going to spend more time trying to diverting away from the relationship she has with some and Gulati and Garber and all these things. It could affect the very outcome of her election. But, hey... I wish 10 more people would come on to this election at this point, but, um, but uh, it, it's, you know, Dan Flynn is probably one of the highest paid people on the payroll for the Soccer Federation. I say this. Yes. Could we bring in three or four people to share that salary that he takes by himself and add more sectors and more uh, brain thrust to the Federation under that salary structure? I say yes.
0: Do you have any experience working with Dan Flynn? From
1: I do not, I do not, um, I do not. I mean, I he's I hear he's brilliant, and this, let, let's give credit where credits do. Just like we do with Galati, they've brought the money part of the of the sector of soccer to an all time high. But does that mean it's the best thing to do for the American soccer community under this umbrella is just concentrate on the money and the money and the money?
0: have you thought about how you could utilize somebody like a Dan Flynn or like a Kathy Carter? And a follow-up question on that would be, did you know of Kathy Carter before she was kind of rumored to be in the race?
1: Anybody who's connected to American soccer over the past uh, 11 to 15 seasons, uh, you know, I've known of Kathy Carter's name. She's an outstanding um, individual. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, when it comes into the business ranks, uh, she can get the job done. I'm sure she can maneuver in areas where some of us maybe cannot because of her connection points. Um, But at this point, when you bring it all to the forefront, I'm still in question five days before nomination is supposed to end. One resigns, one comes in with a complete relationship with the one who just resigned, And the controversies and conflict of inches we all talk about, that name has been thrown in that soup kitchen for the past years. So um, what maneuver is this really is? What's what's the passion behind it? Is it truly for the American soccer community with this insertion of Kathy or is it or is it a diversion process to keep the status quo? Of course, it's starting those questions are starting to happen as you and I speak right now on social media.
0: There's a lot of questions on social media today.
1: I <laughs> sure there is, but you know this is a big business. I mean, the federation is not a toy, and it should be treated like a toy for the rich and famous behind a castle wall in a deep sandbox. This is serious business. We affect a lot of a lot of young people's lives, a lot of people's lives right now in the soccer community. Uh, speaking of which, just in the soccer community, let's face it: there's 35 year old parents right now that have kids that want to belong to a system. That, know is, that they know is transparent and they're going to be guided in the right direction um, because they played division one soccer. There are former professional players having kids now they're going to demand it from us. So we got to take this serious.
0: Absolutely. And that's something that is frequently ignored is, is the, all of the touch points that us soccer does have on, on people's actual lives and, and people mm-hmm like to joke about it or, or, or write it off and say that, Oh, it's just a game. It's just this, it's just that. It's like, no, like this, this is people's livelihood. This is people's dream. This is, this is a lot mm-hmm. more than just a game. And and the people that limit it to just that are, are completely out of touch with the rest of the world and how the rest of the world sees and, and feels the game because, that's the reason why Brazil is a world superpower. That's the reason why Germany is a world superpower in the sport is that it's mm-hmm. not just a game and they understand that. And, and they build mm-hmm. their, their systems to, to be the best in the world at, at I
1: understand. a number I understand of different it. things. I get it. I feel the passion and you said it right there. It's, it's the world's game within the United States, but it's the world's game and it's a whole other subject when we talk about the FIFA relationships. I mean, look at what we do in a World Cup. We shuffle through billions of dollars in a, in, in, in countries that have hosted the World Cup. And we build Olympic-sized stadiums uh, that Warriors used to fight in back in the day before you and I were born. And then when the World Cup's gone, that stadium is growing weeds in it. So outside of our boundaries of, of of soccer, it is the world's game and I have passion beyond just our borders as well because the sport is, is, is the world's game and we need to treat it as such. Um, it's, I know it's all about American soccer for us too, but we still have to worry about how the, how the, how we can affect the sport in our borders to affect the sport outside of our borders.
0: Absolutely. I, I want to kind of transition in, into a couple different topics and, and the nomination process being one. And then yes. also, I, I, I want to get your take on, on things that you've probably, I'm, I'm assuming you've, you've probably learned quite a bit during during this process about U.S. soccer and the, and the way that it actually runs. Um, mm-hmm. So w- what about the nomination process has uh, surprised you or, or what have you learned along, along that journey so far? Love the question.
1: I think I've learned what not to do. <laughs> more than i've learned what to do during this process uh please and, please explain that <laughs> well number one it's just the pure respect of treating humans uh, when they when they enter into a process that's supposed to be pure and transparent i'm not satisfied with this election process there wasn't even um do, when i sent my application in uh there wasn't even uh i guess they voted on this new governance and nomination committee that wasn't even in place during the process, I was doing this and I'm only talking months ago. So I wasn't even, I wasn't even approved until the nomination and governance committee was in place to go ahead and approve it. And that's done. Now I'm in. So now I'm in and I'm campaigning and I'm doing these things and I'm reaching out to people. And then all of a sudden, I'm uh, two hours away from going to a forum uh, in Florida uh, with the rest of the candidates. Not all of them were there for whatever reason. And, um, I get noticed that there's a rescinding on the nomination process and I wasn't informed of it in writing from the federation. I had to physically call the federation and ask them, Hey, what about this rescinding process? Oh yeah. By the way, uh, people can rescind now if they voted for somebody. Uh, And that's when Cadero ends the race and along with Martino. So, you know, change the rules as we go. Is it fair? Is it transparent? Is it honest? I say no, but it is what it is. And I'm dealing with it. Uh, But Um, You know, I've learned I've learned quite a bit of of some of the processes in a very short period of time of how the Federation treats the very people that have the passion to want to be involved. And it's been disturbing, but yet uh, it's also been enlightening for me to make decisions of what uh, of what to do uh, and and
0: help correct some of these sectors. In a really sickening way, it's almost encouraging, huh? Uh,
1: You know what? You're talking to a guy who who is uh, small in stature that loves competition and n- nothing excites me more than to go one V four and smack it in the upper 90 in front of thousands of fans. Um, so you can imagine what I'm going to be like uh, being the president of the Federation. Um, you know what competition for all the right reasons is, 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 is what I'm all for competition for all the wrong reasons. I'm not your guy.
0: Going back to when you actually decided to go forward with uh, with your campaign, and you wanted to to file that paperwork to become an official candidate, mm-hmm. can you can you put a timestamp on that first?
1: Yes, I before I, I can. finish the question. Fantastic uh, question, and you asking, you know, what what pushed me to that level?
0: Um,
1: well, or what 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 pushed me to actually put the stamp on on applying?
0: No, I I. I I do want to know that, but I'm really curious about the timeline of of when you went forward with that. And then my question was actually going to be: you mentioned that there was a delay in like actually making you an official candidate. Like there wasn't really mm-hmm. any uh, communication between U.S. Soccer and and, and you. Um, but meanwhile, there was a candidate that knew about all these rules and had been campaigning for, for much, much longer. And I'm sure you know yep. who I'm talking about in, in that regard. Um, so that, that's what I'm curious about. So you you had filed this paperwork. You're mm-hmm. waiting for your candidacy become, to become official. But meanwhile, there Sunil Gulati was out there campaigning and getting all these nominations in kind of like a, mm-hmm. uh, a system that was rigged for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I... I you know, one can only assume, but um, you you have to, you know, he's already been in the system for for, for years and years and years and knows, and knows how to work within it. Remember, I'm an outsider looking in, so I'm innocently going in saying, hey, I want to do this, and I'll tell you this. Um, I reached out to another candidate that I knew was running um, for it because it was announced, and I caught wind of a social media uh, article out of the Boston Journal and I and and I'm want to call and, and communicate with all the other candidates and ca- trying to get their character and their input on things before I before I make statements on it. But you know it, it came back as um, you know I, I reached out. I said congratulations, so you're going to run, um, and uh, you know I'm here for support. And the comment was and the email was, I'm connected to a senior level of soccer in this country. There's no need to work with another possible candidate, referring to myself. Huh. I shut my computer off and I, and I posted my letter of intent. So when somebody goes in and puts their best foot forward for all the right reasons and gets denied because they might be connected to a hierarchy or be connected to a society that's been, that's been in question for years. That's the character that I pick up my, you know what, and run away from. So, um, so that's, Th- that's my take on that. But, um, like I said, these are the things that, um, that I have no problem. And I have had no problem trying to get a sense of an expose over the past seven months. Um, and it's a shame that we even have to talk about all these things because this is the mess that got us here in the first place. I like to talk about soccer more than the politics of
0: it. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. But when, when all of this other stuff happened, I I think I kind of rededicated myself to to being a different voice in the sea of kind of just like blah that is right. the American soccer media. It's it's so part of my French just it's so fucking boring that they they don't ask the right questions, they they don't try to discover the, the, the problems, they don't try to discover the right solutions and and during during this whole process, I've, I've felt like there's an opportunity for somebody to kind of step up and do that. And I'm, I'm trying my best to, to help you guys out and, and help you guys expose some of this stuff too.
1: Well, you gotta be careful of some of the people, you know, some of the people that uh, you might be mentioning as far as uh, talking about different, you know, they could be on the payroll of some of the people that are behind exactly. The that you're so, <laughs> so, the, so they're in fear. I mean, and I'll give you a perfect example. I met with a player that is just as decorated as Winalda. Uh, back in uh, back in Florida uh, before the uh, second uh, at the second qualification game uh, before Trinidad, and I sat with him, looked him in the eye, and said, "Hey, we need you in the federation. Uh, we need your voice here." He said, "Listen, Paul, I'm done with the politics. Um, I have a family to support, and I'm happy where I'm at right now because if I feel if I open my mouth or look the wrong way in the halls of Chicago, I'm going to lose my job." And here we go, leadership by fear, not under my watch.
0: That seems to be a very common theme in, in talking or listening to Eric uh, talk on, on other podcasts. He didn't really mention it on mine, but he, he mentioned some stories about how U.S. soccer has negotiated contracts with players and, and other other organizations, I'm sure. But it, it is a, a lead by fear type mentality and mm-hmm. and. And you can tell that there's certain people out there that want to say certain things. I can I can tell you from experience, just from the things that I get sent to my email and from uh, my my direct messages on Twitter, that people want to join the conversation, but they can't right. because, like you mentioned, it is their livelihood. It's it's the things that uh, soccer is is what puts food on their table. And if they get that taken away from them, then all of a sudden their food goes away. And well. It gives you one. It gives you one perspective on myself, and I'll I'll use Martino as
1: an example. And I have no problem mentioning names as we go along. Uh, Martino made a quote that we should all work for Sinatra, We should all work with Gulati in this in this candidacy process. I read between all that, and he has a comfort level of entering in the race, losing his job with Fox or whatever it is, coming in supporting the existing candidate that is in total question of his ability to run the federation to begin with and you wonder is he on the same payroll um so y- you just have to wonder um that's why at this point i trust no other candidate that's been within the castle walls for all these years uh, that has synergy with the federation or anybody connected thereof so i have the i think i have an advantage on of being on the outside looking in because like you said 20 minutes ago, I have nothing to lose.
0: Yeah, no, we, we, I I think we said that before we, uh, before we actually started recording is, is I asked you off the air, um, yeah, or I maybe it was more like a statement that I kind of see you as somebody that has nothing to lose. And that's why you can kind of be a gunslinger is that you don't depend on the, the financial support from us soccer. You own your own businesses, you, you do your own thing and you're going to be fine after this is all over. But there's, there's other people that, that don't have that same comfort level and, and that they depend on, you know, their, their relationships or their status within. Correct. Uh, U S soccer. My
1: point, my point is that, is that that will determine the true passion and character of somebody and why they're in this thing to begin with. If you're in it for a paycheck, you're not my guy.
0: I appreciate that, man. Um, one thing that does pop into my mind though, and it's a question that I've asked several other people as well in a worst case scenario and, and, and you do not get elected. Correct. Would you, would you see yourself still trying to be part of the, the federation? Would you still pursue yes. some some type of position or would you help uh, a candidate in, in, in their new role as president?
1: I'm going to look, I am not going to pursue it personally. Uh, I'm going to let the uh, the, the the next uh, president uh, look at this candidacy uh, as possibly uh, uh, you know who they want to surround themselves with. But I'll be very candid with you as I as I have been from day one. Me and Winalda, we talk every couple of weeks, and we have synergy. Do I agree on everything that Eric does? No. Does he agree on all the subjects that I talk about? Probably not. But at the end of the day, um, uh, when Alden and I are on the same page, but I referred to some of the best players don't make some of the best business people or coaches in this game, um, I have the business side of it wrapped up, uh, you know, except maybe for Kathy at this point, uh, as far as the differences between some candidacy. But I will tell you this, when Alden and I are on the same page, I'm not on the same page with any other candidate.
0: That was going to be my next question to you: Is is there anybody that you have found uh, common ground with? And it sounds like Eric is that person. So no, nobody yeah. else is, has has kind of struck you as, as somebody that you could work with.
1: You know what? I waited. You know, that's a great question. And I say, if there's a candidate that won't um, express that feeling, then they don't have the best interests of soccer in mind. Because at the end of the day of this. And you know, no matter how many nominations a candidate gets, it doesn't mean that they're going to vote that way. So you can have 20 nominations and brag about it, but it still might not win you the vote. So you have to have the attitude that you have to support the one who's in line with your, your vision And there's a popularity that that can be calculated towards that vision that's there. And you have to support that. So at the end of the day, I'll tell you this. If Winalda, in my mind, seems to be the one that's going to push us through, and I have to give up to support that because I don't think that I personally, selfishly can run and win this thing, then obviously it it shifts towards that way. Uh, But I don't... I don't feel the other candidates share that same feeling and that and that's the character that I'm talking about. Are they in this for the right reasons?
0: It's all, it's all very interesting, interesting to me, the, <laughs> the relationships that people had kind of going in and now the way that things are kind of playing out, like you would, you would well, antici- you would anticipate that that Eric and Kyle would have a great relationship right They're of course of course former national team guys they both work in the in the television industry and you would also yep. assume that that Kathy Carter and Carlos Cordero would have a great relationship because they've well, they've been working side by side for so long
1: go back to what I said earlier about guilty by association I mean Eric is very candid about how he feels about Kyle uh and and, and me as well but I'm also not the person that'll um tell you something um about another candidate and then at the end of the day after a forum sit down and start drinking beers together um so true um you know so you, you got to call it call, call it the way it is so true. you know it's all it's all about a character uh, subject and and uh you know if you strongly feel uh something about something you should stand behind it and you shouldn't endorse somebody uh um along the way so it may be can, can get you more votes you should stand for what you believe and carry through the whole process
0: I agree um you you did happen to say some some very uh kind things about Eric and I want I want you to know that Eric said the same things about you as well so I don't think it was on the air when we when we got on the topic of you but mm-hmm. when, when we were when we were just hanging out having coffee he, he mentioned that uh, a, a lot of the same stuff that you said about him he he just reiterated um about you as well so
1: well that's good to know i mean eric and i uh like i said um you know he's he's an outsider too i mean uh he's that, like that an guy, insider
0: outsider it's so funny he it's is like, an insider <laughs>
1: yeah he's he he's inside but he's outside but let me tell you something that guy should be coaching a major he should have been coaching major league soccer uh five six seven years ago i mean he's uh you know But, you know, he's on to bigger and better things, but he's doing the work right now. That guy is in the trenches. Um, He's in the trenches that I've been in for the past 15, 20 years. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is very enlightening to him to be in the grassroots um, and listening to all of this, uh, because I've been listening to it for well over 20 years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. Um, a, a couple more questions about the nomination process. So, yes. um, we, we had started talking about like a timestamp of when you actually were wanting to get involved and you mentioned a number that I, I it surprised me. So you mentioned like a, a seven month process of this. So a lot of people kind of got involved in this nomination process in the month of October uh, this is now the beginning of December. And you said that seven months ago, this was on your plate. So when, when did you actually decide to run and, and when did you file that paperwork to become an official candidate?
1: Well, you know, I started poking the bear around, uh, I think, uh, December of January, uh, this year and last year, um, to get a feeling of just what the process was. So, um, you know, I say seven months, it's been seven months for me actually sending out emails tangibly talking to associations because i think i'm smart enough to know that if i'm going to before i send out a letter of intent i want to make sure what the qualification process is and how this thing's going to go down so for me personally i've been at it six or seven months but yeah you're right for some it's you know hey oh by the way i'm this popular person i'm going to jump jump the hat in this federation thing it's five days before nomination process is over and hey i think i'm going to win um well good for you um but um, you know what? I can I will tell you this. I've been on this campaign trail since I've been seven years old. So I've been surveying the, the soccer landscape all of my life. So, you know what? It's not about seven months. It's about a lifetime of what what I've been involved with with soccer. And that's what brings me to this point. But, yeah, the technical thing is this nomination and governance committee that had, that gives the approval for a person to run wasn't even satisfied
0: until mid-September. Yeah, that's it that's crazy. It's a crazy process and, and it's crazy how they can just change the rules. Yep. I was made I was made aware in a in an off the record conversation a, a few months ago uh, about that that whole process and the way that it was kind of presented to the the board of directors in US soccer and and the way that it was voted on and then the way that it was changed as well mm-hmm. so the, the way that the process was changed and it's all just it's so shady and just makes you wonder it just makes you wonder and, and US soccer and the people that have been involved for the last you know 5, 10 15, 20 years they haven't done anything to, to make people feel at ease so it's like there's all these questions and all these people wondering and, and suspecting of conflict of interest and, and all this type of stuff but US soccer has not done anything to to, to put us at ease or or to prove us wrong or to say no or don't worry it they just keep doing just the same bad mm-hmm. shady shit over and over and over again sorry for my my french too i no, know you're good. you're, I, you you're, know, that's, you're that's a family awesome. guy so <laughs> i get
1: it i get it you know what you know everything that you're talking about is 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 completely true because there's people in the beaut there's some wonderful people in the federation right now that are just waiting to do Uh, And to apply their greatness to the the Federation's process uh, in their approach to the American soccer community. But they're afraid to do it because it might go against the status quo and lose their job. So that's where a lot of this comes from. Uh, God forbid um, the president of the United States Soccer Federation picks up the phone to Don Garner and says, Don, this is not right. Oh, and by the way, we want you on the pro committee. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of guy I am, um, pick up the phone to Alec Papadakis of USL and say, Al, I met with him years ago, uh, with, with the, uh, on, on some MISL issues. And, you know, Al, you know, what can we do to help you, uh, today, uh, within the federation? And, um, you know, that's what it's going to take. Uh, it, it just can't be a good old boy network anymore based on dollars. It just can't be.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, I, I I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And so I, I guess maybe we can end with, um, any, any thoughts or ideas or, or asks that you have for, uh, the people that are listening and the people that are in involved in, in American soccer from, from top to bottom. Is there any messages that you want to get out to those people?
1: Well, we talked a lot about a lot of things you and I this morning, and, uh, I want to leave you with, uh, let's not, uh, let's not, uh, leave any gaps about the women's game women's game is beautiful. absolutely thank you it's it's exciting um i'm all for equal base pay for the women within the federation um i i love the idea of uh, of an open cup for the women to expose markets and to attract more uh, television revenue for the women's game hey we got to celebrate that they won three world cups um that system's not broken it just needs new software and a reboot And and we need to give the women's game some some more support, and it will under my watch, along with futsal, along with futsal. Um, So, uh, you know that that's my take. And uh, like I said, my phone's locked and loaded, twenty four seven for any questions.
0: (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, and I want to let everybody know that that Paul took this interview on 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 about an hour's notice this morning. So, um, and it was it was organized um, or or helped. By uh, Dennis Pope of the UPSL, so he's the communications director for UPSL, and, and Dennis, actually, I, I had a chance to meet him down in um, Irvine over the weekend. I got a chance to go watch my first UPSL game, and it was a, it was really, it, it was exciting to see. And I know that Paul, you have a role within UPSL as well. Yes, um, I do. And and um, that league seems to be doing some very good things, and it, it's going to be awesome to see that league get empowered and incentivized to keep doing what it's doing and to keep growing. Like it's been growing and, and hit new levels actually. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm excited to see the the growth there. I would like to see the UPSL do something for the women's side if, if they're not already. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, it's so, and it's so funny. I feel, I feel awful about this all the time that uh, I, I forget to mention the women's game and I'm, I'm, I, I, I kick myself every time that I get off of an interview because I, I'm aware that I do that and I, I have every intention to bring it up and I spent years coaching girl soccer. (laughs) Trust me, I've I've been in those trenches too. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why I, I blank on it, but I do. And so I'm super happy that you brought it up because it is an important part of the conversation that, that has for, uh, lack of better terms, it's been ignored in in this election process to this point. I think so.
1: Well, you know, you know, don't don't beat yourself up with it with it because I think we're all still. In <laughs> I, sh- I think we're all still. I think we're all still in shock that we got uh, that we got beat by a nation and didn't qualify past our cup. That we're all enthralled with that. Then um, you know, it's over. Let's concentrate on on uh, on what we can do to affect every sector of soccer in this country as a group. Um, and, and that's the way we need to look at it. We need to come together, band together. Um, and, uh, Hey, you know, we have ourselves to blame for a lot of things and, and we have ourselves, uh, you know, we can pat ourselves on the back for a lot of other things within the sport itself. So it's time to move on and, um, you know, we need to move the sport, uh, to higher levels than it's ever seen. And, and I think, uh, with a guy like myself at the, at the helm, it's, it, it, it will, uh, it'll reach those goals.
0: Absolutely. Paul, where can people find out more about you and your campaign and, and just your history within U S soccer?
1: Um, I do have a website, which, you know, like it's kind of weird to, you know, trying to promote yourself, but, um, I have a website. It's, uh, LaPointe for, uh, ussfprez.com it kind of gives the platform and it, it, uh, automatically up, uploads any kind of Twitter feed that I'll throw out there, uh, which I'm kind of new at, uh, um, I think I need a professional spell check course. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but, Me too. Uh, and and I have um, and my Facebook page has turned into nothing but soccer, where I post uh, a thought that I'll have during the day. What do you think about high school soccer? What do you think about DAs not allowing kids to play in high school? And all of a sudden, that'll blow up into four pages of suggestions. And oh my God, so it, it you know I'm setting the stage for people to realize what kind of president is going to be in charge if I get through. And that's inclusion, transparency, and just the fact to let people talk to you. Uh, so the Facebook page is one of them. Twitter, obviously, I'm on there. And then my uh, my website. And then obviously my phone number, you can give to anybody you want. As long as it's about soccer, You call, <laughs> you, you can
0: call it. That's awesome, Paul. Well, I, I appreciate you, like I said, taking this interview on such short notice and and spending a, a generous amount of time with with me on the show. Um, and best of luck, man. And and I, I just I'm I'm really hoping for some massive change within U.S. soccer. And it's exciting to see people like you and some of the others that are getting involved.
1: Awesome, I appreciate it. And let, hey, we got to thank you too. The podcasters, the media um, you know, all these folks that are, that are engaging in the process, uh, um, more on a positive note rather than a negative note. So I personally want to thank you for that and everybody else, uh, who's got the same concept that you do as well. So credit where credit is due. Cause without you guys, uh, we'll go back to what we said earlier. Who's that LaPointe guy? Nobody would ever know without folks like yourself. So, um, you're doing great work.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much.
1: All right. You got it.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to hang out with Paul and I in your ears. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And I want to say thank you to Paul. Uh, It was awesome having him on the show and listening to him talk about his ideas for the future of U.S. soccer and give us a little bit of his background as well. I hope that you guys enjoyed hearing from him. Uh, If you guys want more episodes of this podcast or more about 343 or you want to learn more about 343, you can always go to 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 3, 4, and 3, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. And... While you're there, you can read one of our over 200 written articles. You can find ebooks, videos. You can sign up for our free seven-week coaching course. Just give us your email and we will send home the rest. Or you can sign up for our premium coaching course. And until next time, thank you and we appreciate you. All right, goodbye.